Hi, guys. So every time I come out here, I kind of look back to see if there's going to be a four-wheeler picture within the screens. I walk into the offices yesterday, okay, and they're all giggling, so you know something is coming. And in the staff offices are not one, but two framed pictures of me on a four-wheeler. Like on the walls, in the decorations, I don't understand it. It's just this joke. There it is. One, two, oh my. Okay, anyway, I am so happy that they invited me here to speak, and, and I'm really excited about this message, but I wanted to kind of admit something to you guys if I can tonight. So about a year ago, as you know, I was moving to Wyoming, and I was, I was traveling back and forth. You see, Aaron was already living there, and I took on the task of, like, selling our home and halfway remodeling it and all of this stuff. And so I'm traveling back and forth from Wyoming, but one particular week, I have to come back. My grandson, Mark, was going to be born. So Lexi, Noah, and myself, we get in the car, we drive six hours from Casper, Wyoming, pull into Grand Junction pretty late on a Sunday. Now on Monday, he's scheduled to be born. So I get up, I'm a little tired, but I'm super excited. We get ready to go to the hospital, okay? Turn on the car, I need gas. Not a problem. I'm running a little bit late, not a big surprise, right, Jail? So I'm running a little bit late, but I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go get gas, and then we'll make it there in time. Pull into a gas station, swipe my card, declined. I'm like, hmm. okay, gotta be a mistake. Swipe it again, declined. Third time's a charm, declined. So I'm a little irritated by this. I grab my cell phone, I go to call Aaron to see if he had like spent tons of money or what the story was, and I dial him, the man forwards my call and sends one of those quick texts, you know what I'm talking about, saying, in a meeting, can't talk. Okay, all right. Get on my account, and I see charges in, in a large sum of money, one in Florida, had not been in Florida, one in Kansas, had not been in Kansas, one in Fort Collins, and they have basically frozen my account. No funds, nothing like that. So I'm like, okay, I can call the bank, they can figure it out for me. So I call the bank, I go through the seven-part prompting system, praying the entire time I'm going to get an English-speaking person to solve my problems, right? Press one to do this, stand on your head and press four to get to this person. I finally reach a person, a living person with a pulse. And they say, I tell them my problem, I tell them what they're going to do for me, and here's her response. In her problem-free, happy little world, she tells me, well, there's nothing I can do for you. I can, however, send you back through the automated system to a faraway land teller who will fill out a report and then in 10 business days, we'll get back with you. Okay, what's option two? Option two, you can drive to the bank in Grand Junction, 
and talk to them. I'm like, okay, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm running behind. Babies take forever. I'm okay. Get in the car. Try Aaron again. Forward. Keep driving. At this point, Lexi's like, mom is going to lose it. Noah's giggling at me because I am losing it. And I, you know, she's still encouraging me. Lexi's like, mom, it's going to be okay. Everything's all right. They're going to fix your problems. We get into the bank. I pull in. I am good and mad now, people, okay? I'm not happy with what's going on. I'm already stressed out about my entire living situation. Pull in. There is the most happy, caffeinated greeter you have ever met in your life, okay? Annoyingly happy. I finally shake her, but I find out all of the personal bankers that have the job to fix my problems are in a meeting. So I can wait like 20, 30 minutes. I can schedule an appointment and come back, or I can go to the teller line, wait for a teller, and they can probably help me. So I make my decision, I walk over to the teller line, and I wait, because everybody is in the teller line on a Monday morning. And I wait, and I wait, and I wait. I finally, it's my turn, it's my big moment, I go over to this large, bald fellow, and I say to him, here's my situation. I bring him up to speed on absolutely everything that's going wrong how my, my account is frozen, my card is declining, I have money that's coming in because we're selling our house and it has to be there. All of my situation. And he looks at me and he says, I don't know what to do for you, ma'am. <laughs> then he blank stares at me. I kid you not. He has this, I don't know what's happening look within his eyes. And I immediately assess the situation and know he's not very good at his job, okay? He does not know what to do. So I think, it's okay. My family comes from a long line of bankers. I will help him. I will help him know exactly what to do with his, his life and his job. So I tell him, kind sir, you, are going to unfreeze my account. You are also going to deny these large charges because how could I go to Kansas, Florida, and Fort Collins in one afternoon? And then you're gonna transfer some savings over, you're gonna cut up my car, give me whatever you need to do, and you're gonna give me some cash. And I'm gonna be on my way because I'm gonna have a grandbaby today, okay? <laughs> Sounds pretty simple, wouldn't you guys think? All right. He looks at me again with that blank, stupid stare. <laughs> Ma'am, there's nothing I can do. Okay, the next five minutes of my life I am not proud of. All right, number one, I'm not proud of it. Number two, it is still a little blurry. But I do know this. Lexi put her sunglasses down. Noah looked around him thinking security is going to tackle my mother. There was crying. There was screaming. He's kind of a sissy. There was loud, obscene remarks. And 
I do believe that I told him he should probably find another career path. It was loud enough that a manager came from her nice padded office and came over and said, ma'am, is there a problem? And I said, well, yes, you have hired incompetent people and I am just trying to fix my situation and get out of here. You see, this guy got the backlash, not even about my account being frozen but about me moving and about Aaron not answering and about me selling my house and the guy wanting a new air conditioner and everything in the world that had gone wrong. And let me tell you, I told him loudly. So she takes me back to her office. She promises to fix my situation. She gives me some cash. She says, I'm gonna put a Band-Aid on it, but I am not going to rest until I take care of it. And I go to my car, and Noah tells me, geez, Pastor Kim, you made that big bald dude cry. And it was in that moment that I realized I had taken out every part of my stress on a poor defenseless man. Yes, he may have needed some more training. However, I then began to break down and melt down and cry in my car. And here's the truth, guys. I then had to say sorry. I had to say sorry to God. I had to say sorry to my kids for witnessing such a horrible situation. And then I had to apologize to a teller. And it is incredibly hard to humbly step down and apologize when you're wrong. And I realized, man, I was in a public place losing my mind and screaming awful things. But you know, God forgives me and he knows that I'm a sinner. And I find huge comfort in knowing in the Bible that some of God's, some of Jesus's closest friends, his 12 disciples, were the same kind. You see, there's this guy named Peter, and he is one of Jesus's disciples. And let me set the story of Peter up for you so you can understand, okay? Peter is the guy you take into a brawl. He's the guy that you take with you when there's trouble. He's the guy that will tell the teller off when you need him to. He is the guy that will say whatever he's thinking. And so he's one of Jesus' closest, closest buddies. You see, Jesus had picked him up in a fishing boat. He was a fisherman before he ever became Jesus' disciple. So he was one of those hard fishermen. Have you guys ever seen Deadliest Catch? Yeah? Like, those guys are rough. I think if you lined a crew up, it would be incredibly hard to find someone that had all their fingers and teeth. I don't think it's, I don't even think it's possible. But these were some tough dudes. But Peter was chosen by Jesus. You see, Peter was chosen, he said to him, come be fishers of men, come with me, follow me. 
Jesus knew what kind of a guy he was. Jesus knew that he had sinned. Jesus knew that he was quick-tempered. But he said, man, he's got passion. He's got something I need. Come with me. Now, Peter is also the guy who tries to convince Jesus not to die on the cross, okay? He like has this intervention with Jesus and says, dude, this is a really bad life choice. You are going to go die on a cross. And Jesus actually says to him, Satan, get behind me. You're not gonna stand in the way of God's plan. Peter is the disciple who cuts off the soldier's ear. You guys know these stories. You know that, that they came to arrest Jesus for false charges and Peter takes out his sword and just does like this Tyson type chopping on this dude's ear. And Jesus is like, whoa, heals the guy's ear. That's Peter. Like he is one of these guys that, wow, you don't take public places, but Jesus does. He's also the disciple that at the Last Supper, Jesus says in Luke twenty-two thirty-five, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. You'll deny that you even know me. You see, when you look at the life of Peter, it's easy to see that he had sin. He was a sinner. And I find it comforting to know that a guy in Jesus' squad is a sinner. And he still loves him. And he still chose him. And he still wants him around. Guys, I have spent the bulk of my life teaching kids about Jesus. In fact, I have taught many of you about Jesus since you were little. And I am here to tell you, every time I look into a crowd of kids and say, how many of you have sin? The orneriest and naughtiest kids' hands don't go up. They're like, not me. I got nothing. Even though I am watching them get ready to pull the kid's hair in front of them, or I had just seen them trying to sneak away and do something. You see, it can be incredibly difficult to admit and acknowledge that you have sin. Peter did the same thing. Peter tells Jesus as, as they're sitting at the Last Supper and Jesus says, one of you will betray me and one of you will deny me. Peter's like, oh, not me, Lord. I got your back. I love you. I could never do something like that, but he does. And I think for so many of us, it is so hard to admit that we have sin. But until we acknowledge we have sin, until we see ourselves as sinners, we will never, ever understand our need for a savior. In 1 John 1.8, it says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. I think this is incredibly hard for us church people. You see, we are here. Some of us are here on Sundays twice. Tuesdays, we wear the t-shirt on Wednesdays and serve others. 
And we're like, oh, I'm not as bad as that guy. Or, mm, kind of cancels out. But until you look deep inside your heart and really, really acknowledge, man, I don't treat my mom very well. I don't speak to her very nicely. Or, you know, that girl is nasty to me, so that's why I'm nasty to her back. Or maybe it's, I just told a, a little lie. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. And really, I lied so I wouldn't hurt somebody else's feelings, or I lied so it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Or maybe it's a, I disobey my parents all the time. Or maybe it's a double life where you're at school one way and you're at church another. But every single one of us has sent. The list is long. But it says in 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Can you imagine Peter after denying him? You see, Jesus goes to the cross and, and he dies on the cross and most of his disciples are gone. And just like Jesus said, Peter denies him three times. No, I don't know him. Mm -mm. You're thinking the wrong guy. He's not my friend. He did exactly what he didn't want to do. So I imagine the day that Jesus comes back. Like he, he's been dead in a grave for three days. And he makes his appearance. And he appears before his disciples. And I can just see Peter. Like kind of going backwards. Hiding in the crowd. The, the anger inside of him. The, I can't face that guy. I mean, what do you say? D does Hallmark make a card for that? Like, I am sorry that you like died on a cross for everything I will ever do and I denied you. Hashtag worst friend ever. I don't know. But think about how badly Peter had to be beating himself up. The guilt, the shame. He did exactly what he didn't want to do. It describes it in the Bible as Peter breaking down and weeping. That is like the ugly, snot, flying, phlegm, tears, cry. Weeping. Man, it's awful. But let me tell you something. Jesus knew exactly what Peter would do, and he loved him anyway. He knew exactly what Peter was going to do. I think many of us in this room have avoided church. Many of us have avoided our pastor. We see him at the, at the store, and... They come up, hey, good to see you. Haven't seen you in a while. 
You're like, oh man, here it comes. What am I gonna say? But guys, it's out of love. 100% out of love. But deep down, you know you're avoiding church because you don't wanna face Jesus. You don't wanna face the sin. You wanna hide it and you wanna keep it so no one else knows about it. So we avoid the places, the church, that we should bring it and get help. You see, this is what Peter was feeling. The weight of Peter's sin was too much. He was hurt. He was embarrassed. He didn't know what to do. He just, how do you face it? So Peter decides to go rogue. Like, I am leaving. And it says in the Bible in John 21, 3, Peter said, I'm going fishing. Okay, this should actually read, I'm going back to my old life. It's not I'm going fishing because yes, that's what his old life was. The old dudes on the boat. It should really say, I'm going back to my old life. It was easier. I could sin and no one cared. I'm going back to my old life where I can be angry and numb and I can drown out my pain and forget my mistakes. I can act like the rest of the world and do what isn't right. I'm going back to my old friends. At least I had some, even though they're out doing bad things. You see, Peter didn't know what to do, so he wanted to return to the old ways. He went out and he thought, man, here I can put myself in this prison of punishment. Do you guys ever notice how we do that? We sin and we're like, okay, I've done wrong, so now I must put myself in a prison and make myself pay for my sins. Even though they're forgiven, even though the Bible tells us, you know what, it's forgiven like that. Even though you've heard pastors preach over and over again, we are all guilty of this. I stand in front of you saying, I do the same thing. I feel like I should punish myself and I should go in there and not be okay. In Romans 7:19, it says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But Jesus. I could use those two words so many times in my life. I sinned, but Jesus. I hurt this person, but Jesus. I did this wrong, but Jesus. You see, he knew Peter's personality more than anyone else. And he knew that he would have to meet with Peter one-on-one. -on -one. He couldn't just appear with all the other disciples. He would have to go directly to Peter and reassure him. Reassure him that everything was okay. Reassure him that his love was still there and he was forgiven and he would die on a cross again for him, knowing he would do that. So we find Peter in the fishing boat. 
exactly where Jesus found him in the first place. It says in the Bible that Peter and the others caught nothing all night. They caught no fish. They, they fished all night long. How many of you have fished? Is that not the most frustrating thing in the world? Like you're out there sitting with a pole and you get nothing? So not only at this point is, is Peter out doing his own life, he's now failing at his old life. Like it's gone from bad to worse like this. I will tell you this piece of knowledge. Everything I have ever tried to do in this life without Jesus, I've failed at. Everything. But the Bible says, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? Nope, they replied. But soon, one of those disciples recognized that it was Jesus. It's like, man, that looks like Jesus. I don't know how they see him, but they're like, that's, that's a big guy. Like, he's back. Should we invite him fishing? I don't know. And Peter does something that's powerful. He doesn't row his boat to shore and dock it. He doesn't say, hey, Jesus, this one time I saw you walk on water, so come on out. We're fishing. Peter jumps into the sea and swims. He jumps into the sea and swims all the way to the beach where Jesus is. You know those, those movies where it's this romantic comedy and the girl like runs away and she's going because the guy has done something to really upset her life and she's like, I'm out. And then he comes after her and they meet and do like this spinny, lovey kiss thing. You guys know what I'm talking about. And all of us girls cry and, and the boys make some kind of obnoxious remark because they can't handle the emotion of it. Right? You with me? This is how I see this moment. But it's this moment of desperation. It's this moment of, I can't carry this weight anymore. There's Jesus. He, he came where he found me first. There's Jesus. Like he, he came to the slums of my life. And I am here to tell you, if you will run, if you will swim, if you will kneel to Jesus in your failure, in your messiest sin, in your biggest mistakes, in your worst anger, Jesus will change the way you see him forever. He will show you a side of him that you have never seen. He will show you forgiveness. He will show you love. He will meet you on a beach. But you have to do it. He's not surprised by your sin. He knows Peter would sin. He knows you would sin, and he still chooses us over and over again, he chooses us. But tonight, I believe that he is coming after us 
to meet on a beach and show you how loved and forgiven you are. So Jesus wants to meet us on this beach. Can I have the iPad, please? No, I want that. Thanks. So like, like, like Pastor Kim said, Jesus could have walked out there, but he waited for him. And Jesus wants to meet us on the beach. Jesus is a bit of a beach bum. He just wants to hang out with us on that beach. And why is that? Why does Jesus want us to be on the beach with him? Well, it's kind of this, uh, the, this verse in Micah explains it. It says this in Micah 7, 18 through 19. Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. This is the thing, okay? If, if God says he delights in showing unfailing love, he loves to show love, all right? So when I eat something that is delicious, you know what I say? That was delightful, all right? And if I say something was delightful, you better believe it was probably one of the better things I've had in my life. And when God thinks about loving on us and showing us unfailing love, he goes, hmm, that's delightful. That's delightful. So once again, he says, in the, let's continue on. He says, once again, you will have compassion on us. It's saying God will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. This is why Jesus wants to meet us on the beach. Because he wants, where's the ocean? The ocean's right next to the beach. He wants to be on the beach with you so he can take everything that you have in your life that you're not proud of, every mistake, and throw it in there. Like this Christian idea, it's, it's not necessarily in scripture, but we also call it like the sea of forgetfulness because it's literally this, this area where we believe that God, God just throws our sins and he's just like, I don't remember your sins. I remove your sins as far from you as the east is from the west. And when you ask me for forgiveness, I don't even remember them. You're, you're bringing up things that I'm, if you ask God for forgiveness again and again for the same sin, after that first time, he's going, what are you talking about? I don't even, and, and he's like, he's, he literally has like short-term memory loss when it comes to this. So it's like, God understands this, right? He's just like, I won't, I don't remember this anymore. It's cast in to the sea. Guys, Jesus wants you on the beach so he can cast your sins into the sea. This happens by meeting with Jesus, right? We get out of our old ways and we start, we meet him on the beach to repent. Repent is just a fancy church word we use to ask God for forgiveness. The funny thing is, is about this idea of asking God for forgiveness is Christianity is, is like the only religion in the world that has this dynamic, all right? Everybody else, either, either like there's no way to forgive your sins or it's like you have to ask some dead relatives to forgive you for your sins or, or like talk to the big guys upstairs or you have to do something, like you have to do an act, you have to you pay back your sins. Christianity is the only place where we literally go to God and we say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done, please forgive me, and it's done. That, that's, we're like the only religion in the world, and even some like Christian like religions mess that up a little bit. They're just like, no, you can't just ask God for forgiveness for your sins because you have to do something, right? And here's the truth, like when we ask God for forgiveness, we, I've done this before, and I don't know if, if any of you have done it, but I've made these like vows when I'm asking God for forgiveness. I'm just like, God, I'm so sorry for doing this, and I will never, ever, ever do that again. And God is like, you liar. You little liar. All right, how many, like, how many, I'm not the only one here, right? We do this thing where we just think, like, okay, for me to make sure, like, for God to, to know that I'm really, really sorry, I need to make these elaborate statements and these elaborate, like, promises to God that I'll never, ever do it again. Are we, like, should we absolutely try to not do it again? 
Yes, but here's the problem. When we make those statements and we say, God, I'll never ever do it again. From this moment on, I'm turning away from this and I'm never going to sin again because I love you so much. Those are all good things, but it's not the truth. Like, it, it's not the truth. We live on earth and we will sin and we will mess up till the day we die because we are imperfect here in this place. And God is not asking for those promises. God is not asking us to never sin again. He's saying, I accept your forgiveness. I, I, I have paid the price for your sins. The ones you made yesterday, the ones you made, the sins you made today, the sins next week. I'm the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And yesterday I could forgive him, and today I can forgive him, and tomorrow I'm gonna forgive him, right? He's not looking for any of those things. God forgives you knowing you will mess up again. That is the truth. God forgives you knowing full well that you're gonna mess up again. So don't put so much pressure on yourself because here's what happens. You do that, you say, God, I'm never gonna, and then you do it again. And now you feel even worse about it because you just told God you weren't gonna do it again, and then you went ahead and do it, did it again, and so now you're like, I already told God I wasn't gonna do it again. Now I can't go talk to him because I just told him I wasn't gonna do it again, and I did it again. It's been like 20 minutes since I told him I wasn't gonna do it again, and I did it again, right? Like, when we do that, we're setting ourselves up for failure, and we're giving ourselves more reasons to pull away from God. Now I've broke, not, now it's not just I've messed up, now I've broken some sort of promise that I made to God. Now I've, I've, I've set up the stakes even higher and I've, and I've set myself up for failure and God doesn't want us to do that. God's grace has no claws. It, it, it doesn't run out. It, it, it doesn't have this thing where it's like, oh, I'll only forgive you for this sin so many times. And at, at some point then, it, it, there's no clause in his grace and his forgiveness that says, if you continue to ask like heartfelt Forgive, for, for like heartfelt forgiveness for this, at some point I'm just gonna have to say sorry, sorry. Right? His, his love and his forgiveness never fails. It never runs out on you. See, repentance is all about moving forward. It's all about moving forward. It's about moving forward in our relationship with God. Look at this verse in Hebrews 4, 16. It says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. It's really hard for me to not to do the motions that were in this Connect series. But this verse just tells us what forgiveness is all about. It's coming to his throne. It's saying like, I know you've messed up. Keep coming, keep on coming, all right? Oh, oh I'm sorry, all right, you, look, you, you looked at that girl a little bit too long, that's okay. Keep coming, keep on, okay, you just gossiped a little bit, okay, that's okay, keep coming, keep coming. Because what happens is if we decide that we're gonna feel bad for that sin and we're not gonna ask God for forgiveness, then we're stuck. Or if we ask, if we feel like we have to earn it, we have to punish ourselves. Like Pastor Kim was saying, we have to put ourselves in that prison and we have to like earn the forgiveness and we're not able to go to God with that until we feel like I felt bad about it long enough. How many of you guys have ever done that? How many feel like, I have to feel bad for this sin for at least like a week before I can talk to God about it so that way he knows I really mean I'm sorry. Here's the truth, guys. We don't need to punish ourselves for our sins because Jesus already took the punishment for that sin. There's, there's two differences here. There's feeling bad for our sins. We should absolutely feel bad for those sins. That's, that's what Jesus does, what the Holy Spirit does is he convicts us in our spirit and it says that he convicts us, which means like it tells us, hey, that, that wasn't a good thing to do. 
And it's not this like, how dare you do this? It's just like, hey, that wasn't a good choice and that wasn't for your best benefit. You need to fix it so that you can continue to move forward. But that's not what we always do. We like beat ourselves up about the sin. And Jesus doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to feel bad, feel that conviction is the fancy word that we use in church, feel that conviction and repent versus like beating ourselves up again and again and feeling like we have to earn that forgiveness, feeling like we have to punish ourselves for that sin. Guys, if we honestly go to God and say, I made this mistake, please forgive me, God will forgive us. We don't have to wait. We don't have to like try and prove by doing stuff. If we're trying to do something to earn that forgiveness, then we're not relying on what Jesus did on the cross for that forgiveness. So repentance is all about keeping us moving forward. We fall down, what do we do? We get back up again. We get back up again and we continue to come boldly to the throne of God where he will give us mercy, where he will give us grace. If we don't partner with God though, after we ask for forgiveness, what are we gonna do? We're just gonna kinda like end up back and doing the same thing again. I've been in that situation too in my life where it's like I've asked God for forgiveness but because I'm not like partnering him with it afterwards, I totally think he forgave gave me, but because he didn't, I didn't partner with him, I ended up doing it again, and then I'm asking him for forgiveness, and then I end up doing it again, and then I ask him forgiveness, and there's this cycle that we end up going through, and God doesn't want us in that kind of a cycle either. He wants us to keep moving forward. We waste a lot of time in our lives, I think, and that's why I'm telling you guys this tonight, because I don't want you to waste the amount of time that I wasted in my life. We waste a lot of time just feeling like unnecessarily guilty and, can, and, and shameful about our sins rather than just taking them to God. We waste a lot of our time not, not moving forward with God because we, we forget to repent for those sins or because we choose not to because we, we feel like we can't ask for repentance anymore. God doesn't want us to waste any more time. He doesn't want us to. Peter's repentance, so he gets on the beach and it, and it looks a little bit, it's not like G, Peter came to Jesus and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I can't believe I did this. But Jesus asks him three questions. And it's really interesting, these questions that he asks him. So Peter, how many, Peter denied Jesus three times. And the first question that Jesus asked Peter was, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? And Peter replies to Jesus, of course, of course I love you, Jesus. Then Jesus asks a second question, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, yes, Jesus, yes, I love you. And then Jesus asks Peter a third question, and it's, Peter, do you love me? Why did Jesus ask Peter three times if you love me? That was, that was Peter's repentance moment. It's because Jesus wanted to say to Peter, hey, do you love me? Yes, okay. Then if you love me, if you are a lover of me, that means you are my child. And if you are my child, that means that I've paid for your sins. And then if I've paid for your sins, then those sins are forgiven. Go and sin no, no more. That is, Peter, Peter denied Jesus three times, and Jesus, in his own way, just said, hey, do you love me? Then go and sin no more. So maybe tonight this is you. You've gone back to your old life. You've, made, you've committed those sins and you're just like, 
I'm just no good at this Christian thing. Uh, I keep trying to do good. I keep trying to like not cuss as much or I keep trying to do this and, and I'm just no good at it. So I'm just going to go back to what I was doing before. And maybe, maybe that's you. And, or maybe you're, you're saying, I'm going to go do something else because I don't think God will take me back. But, but we know that's not the truth. But there you are sitting in your old ways and who shows up on the beach? Jesus. And he calls you to the beach. He calls you to this moment of repentance. And it's not like this like angry, like, get over here. We need to talk. But it's Jesus on the beach in some sandals. And he made you some breakfast. Jesus is sitting there. You can't, you can't be, you're not scared of anybody in sandals, okay? You're not nervous that somebody in sandals is angry with you. Jesus is on the beach. And he's just saying, come on, let's have a talk. Let's talk this out. And some of you might be going, I, I've got a lot of stuff I need to deal with. And some of you are just like, no, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. But coming here, guys, like as a pastor, I could easily say, the things I do make up for the sins I have done. The, 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 the preaching or the leading the worship or the, the praying over people or whatever I do, that makes up for the sins that I've done in my life. But that's not true. Leading worship, preaching, that doesn't make up for sins. Jesus is the only thing that makes up for my sins, and so I need Jesus to pay for my sins. So maybe some of you are going, I come to church every week, I do all of these things, so I'm okay, but maybe there's those things that we haven't actually dealt with. See, Jesus wants to meet each and every one of you on the beach. He wants to have a talk, and so what we're gonna do in just a minute is we're, we're gonna come forward and sit on these rugs, and I want you to just sort of like start to picture yourself on the beach with Jesus, and what is that conversation looking like? And remember what I said before, it's all out of love. It's God loves you, and you love God. And he's, and he's gonna start to bring up those things that maybe you've ignored, maybe those things that you don't think that he, you can, like he, he will forgive you for. Whatever it is, we're gonna start to make our pile of sin. And it says in scriptures, like I said, that he will trample them and throw them into the sea at some point. But at first, it takes us looking inside of ourselves. So what I want us to do for, is I want us to stand up and I want us to come forward right here. And we're gonna get on the beach with Jesus. So come, come forward and just find yourself a place on a rug. Go ahead and take a seat. Uh, we're gonna start passing out notepads and pens. And what I want you to do with these is I want you to just think about it and talk to God. And when you hear God say something, and you feel like God is going, oh, this is something you have not asked for forgiveness for. This is a mistake that you need to take care of. I want you to write it down on a piece of paper, tear it off, and then put it in front of you. And I just want you to kind of like examine your heart. It says in scripture, it says in Proverbs 22, people may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines the heart. And what I want us to do is I want us to let the Lord examine our hearts. So everybody just close your eyes for a second after you get a notepad and things, and I just want you to just, you're on the beach with Jesus. Sitting side by side. Maybe your toes are just in the water enough. So as the waves come up, they hit your toes and your feet. And you're just sitting right by Jesus. You're looking out into the ocean and it's just beautiful. It's crystal clear. And Jesus is just going to say, hey, 
Let's talk. We're here. We're here on this beach right by this ocean. Let's deal with some stuff. Right now, God wants to speak to you. He wants to tell you those things that are just in the way, that are holding you back. It's not this, you've made these mistakes to make you feel bad. It's, I want more for you. And these things are getting in the way. And I love you too much to let you stay there. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening at 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.